is Shaping the Future by Regent Street, brought to you directly from the iconic London Street itself and launched to celebrate its 200th anniversary year. Our modern world and everyday experiences are constantly being formed and informed by cultural influences around us. From traditions of old to the incoming tides of technology and emerging trends in fashion, art, food and well-being, this podcast celebrates how Regent Street is leading the way with these cultural forces and their impact on places now and in the future. I'm Elizabeth Day, journalist, podcaster and cultural magpie, and I'll be interviewing leaders making pioneering contributions to the world around us. Hello and welcome to Shaping the Future by Regent Street with me, Elizabeth Day. And today I am so excited to be delving into the future of retail. And to discuss this, I have two fantastic guests. I have Caroline Baldwin, who's the editor at Essential Retail, which focuses on analytical articles assessing the impact technology is having on the retail industry. And I'm also joined by Millie Lloyd, who is the customer experience manager for the skincare and beauty brand L'Occitane's flagship store on Regent Street. And Millie has just taught me how to pronounce L'Occitane. L'Occitane, good accent. Thank you. Very good. It's like your French. <laughs> such a relief. Um, thank you both so much for coming. The future of retail is such a huge topic, but let's start by breaking it down. And Caroline, can I ask you first of all, what brands do you think are leading the way in the future of retail? It's it's a funny one, isn't it? Because Regent Street itself is so different from any other shopping area in the UK or even the world, particularly. It's just um, a flagship heaven. All these beautiful stores. You walk down that that's that street, and it, it's just a diff- completely different experience. And there's so many so many examples on on that on that street that I, I've spotted. Obviously, there's the new Microsoft store that's opened right at the top. Uh, there's a huge past it earlier on the way here. There's a DJ booth trying to get encourage people to come in, and there's a McLaren car that. It's connected to some form of Xbox gaming, I'm presuming, and people are queuing up to give that a go. And also, what I really liked is the amount of greenery coming into a lot of the stores. It's again this plush, relaxing feel. Anthropology's got a four floor length living wall with all of these beautiful plants, and um, HM as well. HM Home Store's got that kind of thing. There's just so many different store experiences on Regent Street. And for you, the future of retail. What is it? Like, which which are the five top trends, do you think, that we'll see in oh, the goodness. next decade or so? <laughs> I imagine technology yeah. will play a massive part. Yeah. Technology is obviously going to be huge. Everything that we're going to talk about probably today will have an element of technology involved. When I started at Essential Retail, it was still um, talking about specific examples of retail and technology, but now everything retail has a technology angle to it. So I guess some of those trends would include um, experience would be a big one, Convenience is the other one, you know, the the way we get our Uber or book our hotel through Airbnb, you know, it's changed the way we want to shop as well. Other trends going forward into the future, maybe um, cashless, the way we bank has changed, the way we touch money is changing, you know, the kids being born today, are they even going to have physical pocket money? Who knows? Um, you asked for five. What I know, that's probably unfair. That's good, that's good enough. You've given me four, I think, now, so that's great. I know because I remember when the Apple store opened on Regent Street really showing my age but but being so blown away by the idea that you could pay for your goods 
with mm-hmm. anywhere on the floor. Like yeah. an assistant would help you and they would have their little gadget. And I know that the Nike store does that now and it's really helped the consumer have a just a nicer experience. Exactly. And, you know, all of these other stores are doing so much more exciting things. And, you know, obviously it's still exciting to go into Apple and have everyone fawn over these beautiful products, but it's not the same, you know, everybody else is also up their game now. It's in a beautiful store as well, the Apple Store. It's a historic Regent Street building, <laughs> uh, which I've learned was designed by John Nash. So oh, there <laughs> you go. That there. <laughs> <laughs> but Millie, can I come to you? Because some of the stuff you do at L'Occitane is so interesting in terms, and it's all about customer experience, isn't it? So talk us through how valuable customer experience is to you. That's exactly it. I think it's so important nowadays in retail to put the customer at the heart of everything that you're doing from the store design to the store script to the products to the layout to the services that you've got in store as well. And when we were designing the Regent Street flagship store, we thought of the customer first. You've got to in a day and age where you can take out your phone and go on a splendid splurge with the touch of your thumbprint. It's so easy and convenient, like you said, Caroline. So then in order to draw somebody into the store, you need to be offering them something more. So at Regent Street, what we did when we were thinking of the store design is, okay, what does our customer want to experience that they can't experience through a phone, that they can't experience through their laptop? And that was for our brand, all of the senses. You can't really gauge the sense of feel, smell, touch, taste, all of those elements through a screen. So we and our brand is very core to our beauty products to be able to like the feel of something or like the smell of a fragrance or like how it makes your skin look. So when designing our store, what we thought about was every touch point having an experience where you could not just look at the hand cream packaging through a screen, but experience it in its finest form. So the feel of it or trying skin care on your face as opposed to just on the back of the hand and going oh yeah that's nice Um, also through taste from introducing a cafe and a partnership with different ingredients using sight as well to really enhance the experience for every kind of customer from somebody that doesn't speak English to somebody that's visually impaired and from hearing as well to make sure that the music really enhances the experience so thinking about the customer and how they would want to see our brand in its truest form, back at its roots, keeping the traditional sense, but also the future of where we're going to. I love the fact that when you go into that store and you try a hand cream, you get a hand massage. (laughs) That's exactly it. That's Everything is about offering a service that not only lets the customer fully understand who you are as a brand, fall in love with the product, but also take a bit of time for themselves. I think nowadays we all are working at such a quick pace. We're going from A to B, Uber here, there, and we actually like to have little digital detoxes every now and then and look after ourselves and that's what we try to encourage our customers to do is welcome them into our home which is our store and actually take the time to have a hand massage take the time to have a complimentary skincare ritual take the time to go through your fragrance layering and dwell longer in our store and we've actually seen that already instead of people coming in and out grabbing what they need and out the door they can be in our store for up to two hours and that's what will get people coming back again and again 
they might occasionally shop online. It's not to say you're one or the other, but it's whatever is convenient and suits you at that time. That's some serious dwell time, two hours. Serious dwell time. You can have a macaron and some refreshments in the cafe, have a 30-minute ritual with your friend in one of our booths upstairs, enjoy a hand and arm massage, personalise your gifts. So lots of different areas to spend a lot of time. It's that blend, isn't it, between that experience and spending two hours, but then for maybe one of your regular customers that just needs to pick up, they've run out of their hand cream and they just need to get in and out. How do you manage to balance those two things? Such a good question, isn't it? Because we want to dwell longer, but we still want the experience to be slick. We don't want to be waiting in queues. We don't want fuss with different promotions and receipts at the till. So when designing the store, we actually installed six till points, which for a store under 1,200 square metres is actually quite a lot of till points. But that was to ensure you were always within three metres of a till point, unless you're on the stairs, so that you could check out nice and quickly. You didn't have to wait in a queue. And that just really helps to ease that full end of the customer journey, leaving a good lasting impression. And you mentioned, Millie, accessibility there. Caroline, how aware are retail spaces now that they have to be accessible to an enormous variety of people who might be coming and they're visually impaired or they might be coming and they find it difficult to park. Like, How mm. aware do spaces have to be now? It's interesting. It's not one that I've heard a lot of retailers talk about in the conferences and the interviews that we've we've had. Obviously, there's there's a lot that retail need to think about at the moment, whether it's um, updating their back-end technology systems all the way through to making sure they're as green and sustainable as possible. But maybe that comes back to one of the trend points that I touched on earlier, being the cashless society. So I can't remember the last time I had any cash. I've got a piggy bank at home that's empty because I never have any spare change to put in there, just Apple paying our way around life and the tube. But a couple of places, you know, you've seen little cafes now, which are finding it cheaper to actually deal with um, card payments than cash nowadays. And um, very, very a couple of months ago, I think a state in the US actually said, look, we're not allowing companies to become cashless. It's just not okay because obviously there are some parts of the world out there than some people that actually do like uh, dealing with cash. And it just obviously means that those people can't shop in that store and it's the same way as you know if you've only got steps to enter enter the store then how are you making that wheelchair accessible so I think the way I'm looking at it from a technology angle is necessarily from the pure accessibility points but then you've Actually, the more I think about it, you know, Morrison's and a few other the grocers, they have um, quiet hours for um, people that would prefer to shop without, you know, music blasting in the stores, just to make it a little bit more calm and, and peaceful for them. So I think retailers are thinking about it, but probably have to do a, a lot more. But is it from maybe from the design aspect of a store, perhaps, you know, that obviously that's something that you just have to think about from the beginning. Always. And as a brand, we really do care about, um, especially those that are visually impaired um, and partially cited Loxhands always cared about it. We've actually got Braille on every single item of packaging, which actually most people don't realise. Yeah, it is. We've been doing that since 1976 and that's because our founder really wanted everybody to be able to experience the brand and the sensoriality around it. And we took that a little bit further when thinking about this store. So we put all of our staff through the Royal National Institute of the Blind training to make sure that they were able to best help a customer that was visually impaired, making sure that we've got a lift 
lift that's wheelchair accessible, toilets that are wheelchair accessible, but also braille plaques around the store. Mm -hmm. With different touch points in the store, we call them different things like the botanical world or the scented garden. And there's something quite romantic about that. We wanted everybody to experience that. So we've got 10 braille plaques around the store, which is a journey for those that are visually impaired as well. So that was the element we really touched on. But you're so right. Other retailers, I think, are thinking about it too. You mentioned supermarkets and I know there's so many supermarkets that have a slower checkout as well uh-huh. where if you maybe don't want to feel so rushed maybe yes. if it makes you slightly anxious or you don't want to make conversation Just don't want to have an argument with the robot yes. at the ch- unexpected item oh, in the bag area <laughs> <laughs> or, or looking for looking for a bag whatever yeah. it may be so I think it's definitely there but cashless is a really good point too I think that London is able to adapt to be cashless quite quickly yeah. but I think the rest of the UK has got a bit to a bit to follow That's on that quite an interesting part that you've picked up on as well because I think a lot you know us living and working and breathing London all the time we're often in a bit of a London bubble where we're totally. so lucky to have these amazing shops on our doorstep and we can just pop pop into the flagships here there and everywhere but what about the rest of the UK and you know should we just be having cashless points here and you know just flagships in London when what about High Street and Huddersfield? You know, what, what about the customers there? Should they only experience that when they come down to London? It's an interesting one. Well, I wonder, because I know that L'Occitane does live events, and I know that there's an increasing trend to do live events, and I was the lucky beneficiary of one. I did my first live event a few years ago for Tommy Hilfiger on Regent Street. Oh, wow. The stores themselves are such beautiful locations to do live events in. And when you do live events, Millie, do you stream them so that people in Huddersfield or wherever around the country can join in? Or would that be something you'd think of? We try as much as possible. We always open the invite and send it out to the rest of the UK because actually London is a domestic tourist destination too. So some people might be Very might true. be there. Just being a store that's just coming up to a year and a half of being opened, we've kept events within the flagship because it is a beautiful space, both for customers, but also our PR department now. I never have to hire an external venue because where better to bring the press than actually somewhere that looks and echoes the heart of what your brand is anyway. So it's great for the customer point of view when we are doing live gigs, if we are doing workshops, but also for any initiatives that we're launching with the press, it can be with that. But we did get a lot of demand to go elsewhere with it. So it has inspired this trend of events that, yes, we've seen that they work in the flagship environment. They seem to attract a brand new audience and why not take that further so we're looking at doing that next year definitely and what kind of live events do you do we've done we've done so many my favorite was a mum and baby morning which was when we were launching our brand new baby range we partnered with um, Alex from the frugality and we had 20 mums and 20 babies and a few puppies even come to the store it was a dream morning (laughs) Um, and it was just nice to be able to use the space in a in a different way than normal trading we were able to invite mums that actually got to meet each other and form friendships over, you know, some nice breakfast and actually learn about the brand in a very relaxed, very intimate kind of way. But on top of mum and baby mornings, we've done live music, which was brilliant, really tapping into that hearing sense there. We've done private dinners as well, where we've had um, sustainable dinners, where we've hosted three course meals, everything sustainably sourced to launch our partnership with TerraCycle, do flower arranging workshops, um, how to relax and de-stress your workshops as well so lots of different areas which is all really centered around well-being 
And if you've got that space, why wouldn't you use it after exactly. hours or, or such? I know um, Smeg are another one that do that where they've got a basement downstairs with so much space. And I think they re- almost rent that space out to companies that want to do cooking classes or, or, or such like that. So you're going to get that relationship with the brand and surely that's as easy to roll up to a sweaty betty up in Huddersfield as it is to London just to get get a yoga teacher in to do an hour a week which I think is something that they do and I, I don't know I just feel like those kind of things make you a more loyal customer do you find that your events those mums do come come back of you are they coming back and spending money with you and that's exactly the point of it it's actually to appeal to a wider yeah. audience that might not have heard of loxatan mm. before or maybe not have shopped there or maybe used their their mum shampoo yeah. uh, but maybe not been a customer themselves and opening up these events to a wider audience helps to recruit new customers so as soon as they've been to an event then we keep in contact with them through email sign them up to our vip database and we do see them return i think I think we can definitely roll it out in more stores and Sweaty Betty's a great example of that. Apple, you mentioned earlier too, I think they were the original ones with the idea of the genius bar where it was very much open. If you need help with technology, which a lot of us do, <laughs> then come in, we'll help you with it. And I think that's building that relationship, knowing that the door is open two ways. And I think it's great to see brands that are branching out. Sweaty Betty, I know, do local Pilates classes. Lululemon are great at that. And of course, if you go to the class, then I'm sure you'll want the gear but you've also got a nice community and relationship and really understand the brand I spoke to someone from Lululemon for this podcast and she was saying that not only do they do that for their customers but they do it for their staff so they have kind of meditation courses and these amazing yoga lessons that are free for their employees so an amazing experience on both sides there they also get uh, their um, employees involved in all the, their Instagram posts as well so they get different store managers wearing the kits and I think I saw one the other day where she went down to the gym and she showed uh, showed a few um, workouts wearing the sweaty petty kit again it just felt um, last time I chatted them it was all about you know buzzword for you but authenticity and like Mm -hmm. making it more real and seeing real women wearing those clothes and working out in them and seeing her as happy as hopefully you would be if you were to wear them at the gym it's just a nice approach definitely i love that too as well cult beauty one of an online retailer so a little bit different to to the traditional high street their instagram as well is their employees showing you what works for their skin and what works as their routine and i love that personal element where it's real people glossier in america doing it so well as well real people engaging with their brand and talking about their own experiences which just helps you connect even more it's brilliant there's a massive step away from traditional models and even now influences the type that are on love island or such to like real life human influences so it's another interesting trend to keep an eye on in the future and millie because you are head of customer experience at l'occitane what has prompted this shift because it feels like we're so much more aware now of customer experience. What do you think it was? I think it's just a, a trend in everything in in life, to be honest. I think, you know, when we think about how we talk to our friends about how our weekend's been or how we post on Instagram, we like to experience things. I think more than ever, we want to feel like we are going to a festival for the ultimate experience. And we we want to feel like we're really living and living in the moment. And that echoes through every part of our lives, retail included. So with the convenience aspect of actually you can order products if you want, wherever you are, you can do that. So there needs to be something more to bring somebody in, but also that sort of filtered lifestyle of I want to experience things. I want to feel like I'm living. I do want to post things about my experiences day to day as well. And I think that's the current trend in everything that we're seeing, whether it be restaurants, whether it be holidays, 
we want to feel like we are living in the moment. And I think that's the exact same in retail. And you've got that also that conundrum that millennials and Gen Zs are saying that they want to spend their money on experiences rather than things going forward. So hopefully um, for you, Millie, that, you know, everyone still wants to use their favourite products. There's this massive... I don't know, balance for these youngsters out there. I'm still a millennial, just, just. But I, I, I <laughs> clinging get, on. Yeah, clinging on for dear life. <laughs> um, but just that kind of, you know, yes, of course I want to experience, I want to travel, but at the same time you do still need to buy some things. But wouldn't it be nice if I've got a choice of going to just a regular store or your store to then have something extra at the same time? And I think the market's also more saturated as well, especially in beauty, but in, in fashion too. There's so many more, people that are bringing great products to the Mm -hmm. market so more than ever you do need to stand out from your competitor and I think we also as a nation especially are beginning to care more as well we want to know that the packaging can be recycled we want to know exactly where this ingredient is grown we want to know where our clothes are made we want to know where our strawberries were grown and when we care more then we need to understand actually the backstory of a brand and I think that links right into experience I think if you can showcase who you are what you do and what you care about then that translates into an experience and that's how you're going to get more customers and that's why it's so important this massive trend that we've been writing about quite a lot about B2C, so these brands that wouldn't have necessarily sold directly to consumers, they're realising it's easier to open their own website and it's obviously more profitable for them to sell that way than going through a traditional retailer. So it's interesting for me walking up Regent Street, you're like, where is the blur in the line where brand starts and retail begins now? Because even three, four years ago, it was like, right, that company's a brand, that company's a retailer. But now it's it's just blurred it's together. All under the one. My biggest thing is that, you know, if it's clothing and, and such, you know, I like to, I'll sometimes just if I've got 10 minutes or I'm on my lunch break, I'd sooner try it on than make the effort of dragging it back to the store and queuing or getting on the tube at a later point. So that's my feeling. But I know a lot of people out there that do shop on ASOS, buy so much and then just return it. But again, for my issue, it's like, oh, I'm out, th- out of my house most of the time. You know, where's the parcel going to get delivered? Unless you have a parcel shop near you or an Amazon locker, there are still these frictions that are going on. But there's a service that I know works on Regent Street, which is kind of alleviating this. It's called Drop It, mm. and they're really clever. You guys working yeah. with them, so you can drop all your bags off and get them sent home. And I think it's ten pounds. So imagine if you're a tourist. I know on yeah. the, you can't see my face right now. Yeah, she's <laughs> really shocked. <laughs> I, that's amazing. It, it, you know, and ten pound. You know. It's a significant sum. It's a it's a courier service, basically, isn't it? But, you know, imagine a big family that's been shopping all day and they're going to go and see a West End show later on or they're going to go for dinner. Do you really want to be carrying all those bags with you? Mm-hmm. You just wouldn't send them to your hotel. And I experienced Drop It the other day and it was just so easy and it's so quick and convenient as well and I think as a retailer it's a great tool for us too because it means that actually that customer might buy more than what they would have if they couldn't carry it all or if they were continuing their afternoon and we can also through the program we can grant free delivery for people that spend over a certain amount as well so it's a two-way thing it's that convenience it's that ease for the customer and the customer will be like what I can give you my um, John Lewis bag at the same time you're like yes why not and you were speaking (laughs) earlier in the podcast about the yeah. community and that's exactly where something like Drop It comes True. into play. It, it works for the whole street because somebody's not going to come to Regent Street for one store. It's quite a commitment to come out of your yeah. house, travel that way for one place. So you want it to be a full street destination. So if some 
companies like Drop It are working together with other retailers saying, hey, we'll take all your bags, then it actually means that as a destination, it's perfect and it's a lot more convenient. That sounds to me like the perfect blend of the experience and the ease and convenience mm-hmm. that you sometimes get totally. with online. Yeah. Let's talk a bit about sustainability because over the last few years, there has been the rise of this throwaway culture with a lot of sort of cheaply manufactured clothing. Is that going to become something of the past, Caroline? It's huge at the moment. So over the last year, obviously, David Attenborough's got a lot to answer for on that for that TV programme. I'm all for it, but I'm sure a lot of companies are out there still quavering in their boots. But every retailer that I'm interviewing is talking about it. And um, we interviewed um, Mountain Warehouse a couple of weeks ago, and that's an, that's another retailer that's doing really, really well on the high street. And he was, he was talking less on the tech side and more the fact that his own 14-year-old daughter is like, the CEO was saying, Dad, what, what, what are you doing about sustainability? His own daughter, and he was like, oh, okay. And then he was getting more and more emails, both from his colleagues and customers saying, what are you, what are you doing about sustainability? And I just would like to see a lot more retailers doing more than just trials. That's the thing, like the, the Waitrose store that's doing this, you know, you can dried food, you can put it in your own boxes and weigh it out. It's fantastic. And there's a version of that near my work and it's really quite expensive to go and get your pasta from there compared to your normal supermarket. But the Waitrose, uh, it's the same price or as their essential range. And I thought that's that's brilliant. But again, it's like a six week trial. And I know they have to look, do trials to see if it works. But I'm worried that, you know, there's a lot of PR at the moment and a lot of retailers need to be shown that they're doing these things. And I really hope that it does extend in the long run as well. And that it's not just a trend as well. But I think there's a bit to say about how people's behaviours are changing as well. Back to Love Island. <laughs> there was one advert break where Boohoo came on with a one pound bikini. Oh my goodness, which, I remember. Yes, which I'm sure, you know, they were thinking cheap fashion, it's the perfect market. <laughs> but actually the backlash was so high yeah. because people thought how on earth can you produce a one pound bikini? And that's the thing they're saying, it's a loss, but people aren't thinking that way at the moment. Not at all. And actually the backlash was so strong, yeah. it's no longer an advert on TV, which is great. So I think as much as we are really hoping it's not a trend mm. and trials, absolutely, they need to happen, yeah. but we hope it moves a little bit faster. I think that actually because our attitudes have changed as a, as a country, I think that it will continue to just Definitely. see more and more retailers make real differences. But one of my favourite things at L'Occitane is that you do those lovely metal tubes. Yes, yes. Term? That's the, that's yes. the one. It is a metal tube inspired by old paint tubes, really. Yes, of um, So it's plastic-free packaging, and we've actually even got a little metal key that winds down the metal tube, and that means you squeeze every last bit of it out. Some people use it for the hand cream, other mm-hmm. people use it for their tomato puree at home, but it means that you're getting everything out of the packaging. And we've also been doing another sense of packaging on the sustainability piece for a long time called eco-refills, where they use roughly 80 to 80 less plastic for the refills which you just pour into whichever bottle you like and we've been doing that for over 10 years now but we've seen such a rise in the demand of those over the past two years that we're trying to make all of our products in this form. So you've been doing this for 10 years which is amazing but what is the message that you're giving to the consumer now now that I'm putting it this in air quotes it is trendy to be sustainable you know do you suddenly start chatting about it more but then it makes you look as if 
you're jumping on that bandwagon, but you've been doing it for 10 years already. We had the exact same thought, but we see it more as a time to raise awareness Mm. of it and actually promote it. So actually this month, it's the first time that eco-refills have ever been in our window. And that is because we want to shout about the fact that we are doing it. We are doing more about it as well, but on the same side and with a different message, which is newer, um, but along the same sort of values that we have echoed for a long, long time is we've partnered with TerraCycle where you can come and recycle any beauty brand's bottles. So whether it be your Radox shower gel or whether it be your Dove soap, you can bring them into our store because not all councils do recycle all kinds of packaging. You bring it into our store and we recycle it for you. And that's the main message. You can get 10% off a product if you like on the day, but it's more about the fact that we will do the recycling for you. We will make sure that plastic's not ending up in landfills. So it gives us more of a conversation around it as well. But um, it's the popularity in them has just been incredible and you can see that actually people care about it more and yeah. it might be a trend for retailers but it's not a trend for consumers. That's a great tip. I'm going to remember that one too. <laughs> yeah, it's really <laughs> incredible. So I can go to Regent Street, get my plastic recycled and then get all my stuff couriered home. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> that's what you can do. But the, the recycling that's available everywhere in the UK, it's not just Regent Street. So every single store you can recycle any cosmetic plastic bottle and we'll do it for you free and of charge. H&M does the same with clothing, right? So, yeah, you can bring yeah. it back. £5 voucher for them I think it is as well TerraCycle partnered with a few other beauty brands too they've all got a different sort of initiative there but lots of brands are actually saying and encouraging their consumers Mm -hmm. to come in and recycle your goods so I think there is a care element there as well as the trend but it's a good trend which retailers on Regent Street, Caroline, do you think are doing sustainability particularly well? There's one particular one called Bottle Top that I've heard of that's um, doing a lot of upcycling with plastic. Millie, have you been to that one? Yes, there are a few doors down from us and they're such a fascinating store because most of Regent Street are big brands that you have heard about, your Burberries, your Mulberries, your Apples. We're quite right that someone like Bottle Top is there. They're a really fascinating store. They've got an in-store 3D printer that makes handbags out of upcycled plastic plastic. They also use old bottle tops, so the ring pool from cans to make belts and to make the chain on your handbag strap as well. So you get this really unique piece of clothing or an accessory that no one else really has and it's completely 100% recycled and you can actually see it being made right in front of you. So that is an experience and a half as well as a sustainability element and they're actually going even further at the moment. They've got a campaign called Together Band where they've partnered with UNICEF and it represents a sort of a different um, value or a different initiative that they're doing and they've even got a further pop-up in Regent Street at the moment to really shout about that. Um, And again, the Together Band, it's a nice little bracelet with um, a ring pool. I'm making it sound very sort of um, Blue Peter at the moment, (laughs) but it's a really gorgeous, really beautifully done message, but also still made from recycled and upcycled products. So they're an amazing brand that are doing things on, on such a high-profile street. It's brilliant. have to go and check those guys out. Obviously, they're completely all about sustainability, all about upcycled plastic, but there are other retailers that are still doing little things. And my theory with sustainability just in my life is just thinking, you know, if I change up my shampoo bar or I do, you know, eat a little bit less meat, if everyone's just doing a little bit, then that's making a big difference to begin with, you know, and obviously we can increase that amount. So just walking into um, Lululemon, and seeing that they had um, quite a large part, you know, space in the corner of the store dedicated to refilling your water bottle. Just something simple. There were two taps, a really big sink, and it was something along the lines of, you know, need a refill, you know, we've got you covered or whatever it was. And it was um, in like neon lettering and it looked... 
you know, it wasn't just a little water fountain in the corner. Oh, do you need to fill up your water bottle? You know, that's the token thing we we should probably offer now. It was quite a big space and I thought you know that that's that's great and if every single retailer just offered you the small little water bottle element um, maybe more people will actually start bringing reusable water bottles. So simple so straightforward and has such a massive impact. Absolutely. So I would love to end asking both of you to describe your perfect street of the future in the year 3020. <laughs> Where we won't be millennials anymore. No, you'll still be millennials because millennials is like oh, when true, you were born. Of course. It's just not loads of other Will we be alive? <laughs> I think something that is personalised and so with the customer at the heart of it, wherever the customer is at that point in 3020. I think it needs to feel completely accessible to all. It needs to be tailored to people from the country, from tourists so that we're open and welcome to people that come and visit us. But somewhere that has the convenience, the ease, the storytelling behind it so that there's still an experience to be had and a destination to go to. But for me, I think ease is my number one thing. If it's easy, if I'm looked after, then... I'll come back again. Yeah, definitely. Um, from what what I'd like to see is um, all of what Millie just said, but also, um, you know, that rise of more independence and more bakeries, more butchers, that kind of that kind of thing. But what I think is going to happen is that I reckon more retailers are going to partner up. So the idea, you know, the Sainsbury's and Argos, two very different companies that are now under the same umbrella, and you can go into a Sainsbury store and pick up bits and pieces from Argos at the same time and Habitat as well. I think there's going to be a lot more of those partnerships. Caroline and Millie, it's been absolutely fascinating. Thank you so much for joining me today to talk about the future of retail. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to Shaping the Future by Regent Street. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please do take a minute to rate, review and subscribe. It really does help other people to find the show. Follow more Regent Street happenings at Regent Street W1 on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Otherwise, head over to regentstreetonline.com for more detailed information. This has been Shaping the Future by Regent Street with me, your host, Elizabeth Day. Elizabeth Day.